Welcome to the BABCLA's live Zoom webinar, converted to a podcast. Each episode, you'll hear enlightening interviews on timely subjects with British and American experts across industry. Good morning, everybody. My name is James Langridge, and I am the president of the British American Business Council here in Los Angeles. And today we are back again with another live I call them live cast, live webinars, live event, Zoom event. I'm sure everyone who's listening has had more than one Zoom event in the last few weeks, months, years, who knows. At this point, I've lost count of how many days we've been indoors or at work. It's all over the place. But what more of a better time today than to talk about reigniting your brand? I don't know about anyone else listening, and I'm sure these wonderful ladies on this call will tell us all about it, but I am sick and tired of sitting indoors. I need to get up. I need to get out. I need to run down the street and let everybody know that I am still in business and I am here to help. And today we are, you know, we're spoiled today, everybody listening. We have three wonderful people here. We have Brooke Mason, Wendy Posner, and Debbie Goldfarb. Good morning, ladies. Would you just take a second, take a second to introduce yourselves to everybody who's listening. Wendy, would you like to take it away? Sure. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. My name is Wendy Posner. I'm from Posner Fine Art. Our firm is a fine art advisory based here in Los Angeles, California. We work with both private clients and also corporate clients on acquisition of art. And also we do curation and also art handling and framing and installation for our clients. Wonderful. And I apologize for the uh, mis- mispronunciation of your name there, Wendy. I apologize. Thank you for clarifying that. Go and take it away, Debbie. Hi, my name is Debbie Goldfarb, and I'm the owner of Biz Made Easy. My company focuses on small businesses, and specifically, we focus on the strategic and the branding side for what companies do. I also have a second hat as an SBDC advisor. And that just means that I focus based on what the SBA has asked me to do to help small clients launch and their businesses and help them manage it. Thank you. And Brooke, good morning. How are you today? Hi, good morning. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having me. And hello, everyone. I'm Brooke Mason. I'm well known as a celebrity advertising photographer. Um, And in the last five years, I've been focusing on the luxury branding. So known now as a branding expert. Um, I focus mainly in the luxury arena, though, a lot of small businesses who want to tap into that market. So we've been, uh, we're based here in West Hollywood and helping many businesses, especially through this time. So we can have some good insight for you today. Wonderful. Thank you so much. And it's wonderful again to see everybody here. Just for those of you listening, good morning, everybody who's signing in and those who will sign in and hearing it after the fact we're recording now. If you have a question, please go to the bottom of your screen. There's a Q&A section. Send me the questions and we will either have you jump in and ask the question live or I'll ask it for you and we will get everything answered. We're going to, I know we're going to have a lot to talk about. I know we do. So we're going to, we're going to run through this. We're going to have everyone out of here by 11 a.m. But just to kick it off, I mean, the first question I've got, I ask everybody, we have been, we're in a reopening state. There's hints that there may be a further lockdown. I hate using that word or some kind of shutdown where we're going to be back indoors. How have you, as, as you know, managing a lot of brands and working with a lot of customers, Debbie, how, what have you been advising 
your small business owners during this? Um, besides duck and cover and <laughs> drink yes. heavily? Okay. No. <laughs> oh, those, are, those are good sets of advice. I spent most of the time when I'm talking to my advisees right now, I have a cashier of like 100 small business clients. So I've heard every story possible. But the biggest thing that I advise them now is to live their life day by day, if that's what it takes, even hour by hour, and to have a positive attitude. Because the minute they don't, they shoot themselves in their own foot and they cannot go forward in any way possible. And we work a lot with them more on their attitude right now, even than in their business, let's say, perspective. So it's really important that I get them to be in a positive space. Um, the other thing that's also been extremely helpful is a lot of the small business owners have successfully gotten the PPP and also the idle and also the unemployment. So what we don't know, and I'm waiting to see what's going to be the next stimulus, because you have to assume there will be another stimulus. We just don't know what it is. But positive attitude, bottom line, it's the best thing I can offer somebody in respect to advice. No, I totally agree with you. That's a wonderful response as well. And yes, I, I think there is a lot of suggestion that there is going to be a further stimulus. Exactly what that's going to look like on a personal level and on a business level, we, we will see. I'm just not sure what they're going to come up with. But let's ask, let's ask a further question to that, Debbie. That doesn't solve the problem, though. It, gives us, it keeps people no. going. And I know everyone will, will, will have an opinion on that. But once we're beyond that, Mm-hmm. What do you expect to start seeing from small business? How are small businesses going to re- emerge from this? Okay. Well, the, the first thing to me is how they're going to emerge is they f- have to understand that the consumer has changed. The experience has totally and completely changed in how we perceive whatever that is in business. It is going to be critical that people keep very up-to-date on the trends. And by that, I mean they have to know what's going on in their specific industry in respect to technology, digitization, remote service, and also including just being very creative and clever. So as we reemerge, again, the best things you can do is to understand yourself and be empathetic. This has been really a hard time and really tough, but we're here. We're standing, we're a community, let's help each other and let's go forward and respect each other. And I think those are really important right now for business owners. Now, in respect to what's happening, I will recommend almost for any small business owner, they're going to have to talk to people that are experts in this because we've never been in this time. So you can't expect a small business owner to even understand it, right? They're not required or needed to do it. But somebody like myself or anybody on this panel, we're like experts in this. This is what we do every single day. And it really helps guide their vision. And we're going to have to help them guide their vision. And, and, and again, same time when they've been so negative now to be positive and guide their vision. And all of those sound easy, but they're not. They're very difficult concepts as a small business owner. So what your store or what your restaurant may have looked like Yesterday, trust me, it will never look that way again. It won't. Right. I'm, I'm avoiding using the term new normal because I, I kept saying that recently. And I looked, someone looked like they were going to shoot me, so I'm not going to say that. But um, you bring up interesting points there, and thank you for that. And the use of technology now is more important than ever. Wendy, my question to you in the art world, I mean, there's something about standing in front of a beautiful piece of artwork in person. And if you're trading in art and you're advising on art, 
how are you using technology and art at this point so people can still thrive in that business? Absolutely. Well, I think that going to your question, uh, within our industry, in particular, over the last five to 10 years, the art fair model where there were art fairs happening internationally, where collectors would travel from country to country or city to city, and became really a very intricate part of our business model in terms of fine art sales. In January, it was supposed to have had a art fair in Hong Kong called Art Basel Hong Kong. That was the first major art fair to be canceled. And they had to quickly shift gears in terms of utilizing technology for the exhibitors from that art fair to be able to show the art that they would have normally had uh, on display as a part of the exhibition and the art fair. So we quickly saw within our business that there was this traverse to the digital, uh, which was happening in some capacity, but not in terms of actual, you know, heavily focused on digital and e-commerce sales. And we've seen that a lot of the fine art galleries have moved to creating these private viewing rooms, whereby which they can continue to do their exhibition programming, also participating with the art fairs. But one of the things that we have found that's really lost is that a big part of our business is the social engagement. And without that social engagement, how can we recreate that online and utilizing new tools? The art industry, I would have to say, also is a little behind the curve in comparison to the real estate industry, uh, interior design and architecture. Within those industries, they have been utilizing 3D modeling and 360 cameras to be able to capture uh, surroundings and to be able to walk through and do virtual tours. We're starting to see that now being implemented within the fine art space as well, that you could actually visit a physical gallery and walk through it, view the art with detail and close up. And a lot of the museums also have been creating a lot of online exhibitions. So we're seeing this now becoming the future of the business. And I think that we're just really at the beginning stages of how the technology will be utilized. But part of it is also, you know, how is the client going to adapt to this new terrain? And what kind of price artwork will sell online? Because traditionally, even with the art fairs, you could have works that are selling up into the millions of dollars. And is somebody going to buy a piece of art online with a seven figure number. So that's something that we're seeing that's really interesting that's trending right now. Thanks, Wendy. That's, a, that's wonderful. Very interesting. I think people are just so, they need something and art is, is such a great vessel. I don't know if that's the right thing to find some happiness, especially at the moment. Brooke, um, I want to be back on something that Wendy please. said as well, because, so I have a client, um, their profiles in history, uh, that is, they sell movie memorabilia, historical things. It's unbelievable what they sell. I mean, everything you could possibly think of, Marilyn Monroe dresses, the ruby. They're famous for the ruby slippers that they sold. So they just had an auction yesterday. Um, now, they could only have, I think it was about three or four people in the room. Normally, their auction room would be filled. I mean, it could be 60, 80 people. So they had a lot of people on the phone. They had a lot of people on uh, the internet uh, bidding and it was so exciting. In fact, we were documenting, you know, because we couldn't be there in person and document and Mike, we couldn't be there. 
So we were like pushing them, send us videos, send us text. So they're putting live feed and we're doing where we do their social media and everything. And, and so it was so interesting that it went really well. There was uh, a ring sold with the Howard Hughes estate. And there was a ring sold that they thought was going to sell for maybe 20,000. It was an engagement ring for a Catherine Hepburn that Howard Hughes had bought in 1938 and proposed to her. Of course, that all fell through because he was cheating and whatever, and that's all controversial. But <laughs> this is what I love. You see, I love, they're still the superficial and fun <laughs> during these times. And I know Deb will laugh at me because um, she thinks that this is all, all funny, but, but it's true. Like we still, we're still interested in these things because right. this we've started, and this is going on for so long now, we want to do things that make us happy. So this kind of business, though they you know, were worried how that was going to get going, but they've been busier than ever. That ring that they predicted to sell for 20,000 was bidding between a phone call, between online and between a person in the room, and it went for 85,000. Oh and my gosh. Wow. Within, within like a minute or something. I mean, it was amazing. So anyway, I just want to piggyback on the idea of switching gears from what Wendy said. It's like, we can go to online and we can, and we can, you know, transition and, and make this, you know, we, we can adapt in other words. Right. No, that, and, and it's great to see. And I think people, the people, if you just got to make the attempt, you don't have to be perfect at it. I think that's kind of like, that's how it seems right now. But if you're making the attempt, people are, especially on the zoom meetings, usually someone's kids shows up at some point or there's an animal or something and that's fine. Or a cat. That never, or a cat. There we go. <laughs> But it just in 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 a when prior to COVID nineteen or whatever you want to call it, you know you're in an office space, you're in a setting, and it's very business sometimes, and very serious. And so it's, it's I guess it's given us all a chance to lighten up a little bit. I think and being um, authentic, right? Being real. Right. But I do Absolutely. want to say, yes, we don't have to be perfect, but we do have to be strategic, and right. it's really really important that we're not sloppy about it. So tell so, us more about that, Brooke. How, right. what, what, are you, so, what advice so, are you giving people? Right. So in other words, like, it doesn't matter what industry you're in. I mean, I, even if it is a small business that comes to me, or it is a big brand like Rolls Royce or Lamborghini or Bentley. We just did a shoot for Bentley. We just did their advertising and, and I'm sad to say that it's now published and, you know, going <laughs> all over the place, which is fun. But it doesn't matter who you are. I think that you really need to be strategic, not messy about this situation. It's changed. It's been progressing through the last few months since since February, since March. So now we're in this sort of deep part of it where people are loosening up more. They're willing to spend money. They're willing to say, you know what? My quality of life is more important. I mean, hey, you're not going out and spending money on restaurants and other things that frivolous things that you would normally spend on. So, you know, maybe like my client profiles in history, you want to buy some fancy memorabilia that makes you feel good, that connects with your heart, connects with your childhood, connects with something. So in their case, that would be a different plan to market or to brand or reignite, for instance, than say a skincare line. But a skincare line is just as important right now. Look at all the way you could market a skincare line. I mean, you know, everyone's having skin problems with wearing masks. So I think you have to be strategic. People ask me all the time, like, well, what is the answer? Like, what should I do? Every single business is going to be different. Every single business you have to look at a different personality, a different brand identity. One thing that's really important and if you are doing this on your own, I know a lot of people don't have budgets and some people do have to start on their own, is to really make sure every touch point, every consumer touch point aligns with your brand. So if your brand has a specific look and feel, and it, maybe it doesn't yet, and you have to define that, 
Define that really simply, a very a color palette. Make sure every color palette on every consumer touch point aligns so that you know you don't have these mixed matchy fonts and colors and you know, so that people understand what your brand is about, your brand messaging, the vibe, the feel, the essence of the brand. I mean, I even when we're I'm about to delve into a food company and we're starting her brand identity, which is really fun. I always love to get to start out with these branding decks. They're so much fun because it's not just about that superficial, what people see and any successful brand, it's not just that color palette or, or the visuals or the creative content, which obviously has to be good. And, you know, we love doing amazing creative content, but there's the underneath, there's the messaging, the feel, the vibe, it could be the music. What is this? I mean, I really like to get into the underneath of this brand. And honestly, it could be something like it could be something like candles, for instance, and that could be your branding. But I really like to get into this very deep levels of this brand. Now, your regular consumer won't see that, but guess what they'll see? They'll see a very solid brand that they feel they can trust, they can identify with. And if you have that brand validity, they will want to purchase. No, in the end, you just want to be successful and make money at it, right? Of course. Right, absolutely. <laughs> no, I get it. And, and my question to that, Brooke, is what's the most common question you're getting right now from, from businesses, from individuals who are, are coming back into the light? What's the typical questions they're asking you? Right. Well, what should I do now? And, and I, just, I just talked to two clients about this. They were spending money in traditional PR and it wasn't going very well. Now, traditional PR has changed. And I said, look, they're spending, say, three to 5000 a month in, in trying to get articles in press and getting written, written up in magazines. I think right now you should spend your money in social media. So if you do have a budget to put aside, spend it in making sure your social media looks really killer. Start looking at other people's social media. That branding deck I was talking about before, that means sort of like your branding Bible. Your social media should emulate that, the, the vibe, the messaging, the captions, all that. So I would spend and I would put your efforts towards social media. Another thing too is to be careful and Instagram is probably gonna shoot me for this, but don't spend too much money in those promoted posts. Um, I do feel that you should do more organic. When you start spending too much money in those promoted posts, you will get flagged. Um, you will get flagged by Instagram that, hey, this person likes to spend money and promote a post. And people like us who are trying to do work for you, we come across a bit of a wall because a little bit like Yelp, um, that if you start spending money in one area, then they kind of flag you as like, okay, they're prepared to spend this money and they kind of block your efforts in the other direction. So I do encourage people maybe to stay away and maybe stop doing those promoter posts because you're just going to get likes on that one picture you're promoting, you're not gonna get the follows, you're not really gonna get the interaction so much, and likes on a picture is not gonna do so much for you, because in the end, you want the people following, you want the loyal followers, you want them to click to your website, you want them to be loyal to your brand, and in the end, like go through a funnel and, and buy the product or buy your service and, and continue to work with you. That's great. Uh, we've lost Debbie. Uh, she's gonna come back, I think, so we will see, um, and hopefully she rejoins shortly. Brooke, that was a great answer. I have a quick follow-up question for that, and I'm going to address the audience. If you're a complete technophobe or you're new to embracing technology, what is just a kind of a first step for anybody at this point? Set up an Instagram page, you mentioned it, so just adopt the social media. But if we had to take a baby step, what would be the first couple of steps? Okay, one, do you have a website? People need to see, you need to have a presence online. So when someone Googles your business name, start Google, once a week, Google your name. 
you should see what's popping up. And the goal is the first two to three pages are all you. I mean, that's amazing. That's where you want to be. You want to put in your name or your business name and it's you. Um, so how do you get there? You want a website, you want, you know, a decent amount of content on there. I know blogging is quite good because it's constantly content on your URL that gets your name out there. Make sure you have an Instagram. Twitter's hit or miss. It depends on your market. I mean, that would be very specific to your brand. Facebook, again, hit or miss, but I still think, look, have as many avenues online as possible so that when people Google you, there's, uh, put you in the search engine, I mean, not everyone uses Google, I guess, that there is, uh, that you are popping up in different ways. You're popping up on YouTube, uh, though, I guess, getting a lot of content on YouTube is a pain in the ass. But uh, if you do have a lot of video or something, maybe you can just start popping up putting up some videos there. But the idea is as many avenues as possible, get some more Google reviews. Um, every business should have a 20 plus Google reviews. So get out there, get your friends, get people to start putting those up. A uh, thing with Google reviews is uh, one good thing about them, not like Yelp or some other companies that like they will put up the reviews. They won't like take them down or, you know, try to test them out to see if they're real, but you know, space those out over a couple of months. You want at least uh, 24, 27 Google reviews. So that's one platform. Uh, you want a social media, you want a couple of avenues of social media, Instagram, Facebook, and website. Now this all sounds overwhelming and that's why people hire people like us, <laughs> but, uh, but you can just, you know, start write checklists every day, post on Facebook, check, post on Instagram, check. I mean, make a little list for yourself each day and literally cross it off. Getting a website together, there's, you know, different places and it doesn't have to be as expensive as people think. It doesn't have to cost you tens of thousands of dollars. You know, there's a lot of other ways now to do these things and people can reach out to me and I, I have different programs for small businesses that we can still tweak a certain amount of things and get them looking clean and making their brand feel trustworthy to their audience. And it's not going to cost them thousands of dollars. So I think that you need, you do need a helping hand. It's always nice to have a little bit of extra support because it can feel like you're drowning um, you or yourself. I think that, I think you hit the nail on the head there. That's a wonderful explanation. Thank you. And yeah, it's uh, it's very scary right now because if people do have a disposable income for whatever reasons in business, and they want to apply that money somewhere. And so uh, knowing where to apply it and get the maximum bang for your buck, I think really that's the point I'm getting out from what, what you were sharing. Just going to take a second here. Good morning, everybody who's listening. My name is James Langridge. You're tuning into another wonderful British American Business Council, Los Angeles live cast. We have Brooke here, Brooke Mason, I'm sorry, Wendy Poisner. And we had Debbie. Debbie's disappeared. We're hopeful she'll come back at some point. If you have any questions, please go to the Q&A section at the base of the screen. Um, I see that, uh, Carl, you just asked a question. We'll get to that in a second. That's wonderful. And write me the questions. We're going to ask it or we're going to bring you in live. Before we do that, Wendy, this was on uh, top of mind when Brooke was speaking. As, a, as I'm a small business owner. You're a business owner as well. What steps are you taking right now? So going back to the beginning of, of lockdown, uh, my team and myself, we spent actually the first eight to 10 weeks actually doing outreach to all of our vendors, which include all the top galleries internationally. We spoke with artists. We talked with interior designers, architects, all the way down to our art handlers, because we wanted to do the research and see how the different people were going to transition during this period of time and what were they looking at and how were they looking at what the outcome is going to be potentially 
as we move through COVID and to the other side. We decided to spend time to really research, to understand, because I think in terms of what Brooke is saying about outreach through social media, you also have to look at how are you gonna transition because if you don't position yourself properly within social media and or even with your outreach to your clients and customers as you're trying to redesign or reimagine what your company or your brand is going to be, then you're not gonna be positioned well. So we really wanted to first and foremost, spend that time, have dialogue and conversation. And based on it, we actually found out some very interesting things. You know, in terms of our business being a luxury, art is not a necessity, but we are finding that the art market actually is extremely strong right now, as Brooke was mentioning, even based on the auctions. Art has become an asset and people are diversifying their assets out of stock and real estate, wine, and are moving into art. So that's one thing that we've seen very strong auction markets, but also people are at home. So they're spending time in their homes and they want to beautify their homes. They're spaces that they maybe didn't spend a lot of time in before. So people are actually perusing online art websites, looking at artists' websites, going to online exhibition programs, and acquisition is happening that way. But one of the areas of business that we thought for sure was going to come to a complete halt was the hospitality industry. Hotels and restaurants, uh, we do a lot of work within those spaces. We thought that those would completely come to a stop. But what we've been finding is that from our research and outreach that we did early on is that those industries are actually preparing for the future. So they're looking for 12 to 24 months out from now that those businesses will be back. And as a part of it, they're looking at refreshing their brands as well. And so we have picked up actually two major hotel projects during the shutdown because for a hotel to do full renovations or even if they're in construction right now, construction was still an essential business and happening. So money was already allocated within budgets for new construction hotels and restaurants that we are seeing that right now is a perfect time for us to target those industries. Because a hotel, for example, under normal circumstances, if they had full occupancy, they would have to go floor by floor and doing their renovations. Now that the hotels are empty, it's more cost effective for a brand to actually go in and refresh and do the renovations of an entire property at one time while it's quiet as it is now. So we you know, see it being a very interesting and dynamic time to reposition ourselves and to look at new uh, avenues of business. I love that answer. That was wonderful. Thank you. Just a complete sidebar. I got my hair cut yesterday and I usually go to the Fairmont in Santa Monica because they have a wonderful barbershop there. And this is a bit of innovation. They've moved their barbershop outside because you can have, you can work outside. They moved it into the bungalow, which is a well-known night spot in Santa Monica. And so it was nice. I had my hair cut outside at the hotel looking at the ocean. It was wonderful. I had my haircut there, but the point was afterwards, it was so nice to go into the hotel and it was, uh, we were able to see, uh, it was kind of hangout. It was very quiet, but there was, you can see that they're adapting and changing. And I know the hotel industry has been hit very hard by all of this. So it's just, it's nice to hear what you said then. Brooke, you're obviously heavily involved in the luxury markets as well. Right. Lots of different things. Taking a walk down Rodeo Drive right now is a completely different experience to what it was like several months ago. But people love luxury brands. They still love them. 
What are you seeing at the moment? How are people still, when you touched on it, Brooke, how are people still kind of getting into the luxury brand? How are they buying this stuff? What are they doing? How are they promoting it? What, what's going on? Well, you know, it was di it was different at the beginning. Till at the beginning, I think that you had to be a lot more sensitive. And so there are a couple of companies that I work with, and you know, they were still holding back. We weren't posting as much about, you know, it just it felt selfish in a way. And I think that this is a time to be sensitive and understand what's going on, understand what the regular consumer wants understand where their feelings are and their needs are but now we're in a place where people really want to dream they want to get out of the normal reality of where they've been for the last few months and there's been a really big push in the sales in lamborghini the sales in rolls royce and bentley i mean we were just talking to bentley corporate and it's just gone through the roof because people feel like I mean, I guess you can still drive around <laughs> and people feel like they should uh, get what they always wanted. I mean, you know, there, there's so much uncertainty um, and this is what uh, a lot of my, you know, this is what we've been talking about. I mean, we were just talking about this yesterday when I was with Profiles of History, in history. People think like, well, we don't know what's going to happen in the next six months. We don't know what's going to happen in a year. So, you know, I've always wanted this or, you know what, I, I want to upgrade that or I want a new car. I want this memorabilia. I want this piece of art. I want this for myself and, I, and I'm just, I'm going to have it, you know. So I think because of the uncertain times and people are feeling there is a, a sense of, I don't know how to describe it, like a pressure, like almost a confinement, right? And all that just feels so restrictive. So I think there's a, a rebellion about where you want to spend your money. And so I do think the luxury market is probably doing quite well. I mean, not obviously not retail, but by appointments online, but people are now spending money. They do want to get the items that they've say always dreamed of, or, you know, decided that I'm just, just going to have I think there's like a really fun attitude there in, in that. So in terms of marketing, we've just gone full blast about the dream of the luxury market. And, you know, when I do branding and when we do photo shoots and when we do video and any kind of uh, marketing efforts in the luxury arena, it's all about your, you, you buy this item, but you're buying that lifestyle. You're buying that, that the feel of that item it's not just the item i mean everything that encompasses spending that kind of money on something it's really quite fun and exciting <laughs> if deb was here right now she'd be laughing her ass off because she thinks i'm hilarious because <laughs> is, is she did she come in is this her she said she was having a problem <clears throat> getting back logged on i am oh. can you hear me can you hear me i got on I just mentioned you because if you just heard hey. what I talked about with luxury, you will die. You'll be laughing because you think Deb, Deb oh, made fun you... of me because she's just like, I always say, but this is essential. Luxury is essential. It's essential for our everyday feeling. And Brooke, just to confirm what you're saying as well, people want to feel good and, and a source of feeling good is buying something nice. Let's be honest. We like our creature comforts. Debbie, you came back at the perfect time. I'll let Brooke ask you the question. I'll let Brooke kind of ask you the question that we were talking about. What's your opinion? Uh-oh. Uh, you know, I probably diverted from the question so far. I think I, I kind of went all over the place there. I mean, I know that you asked about uh, the luxury oh, market. And sure. So, yeah, we were talking about the luxury market. Uh, Debbie, I'm not exactly sure of your involvement in the luxury market, but we were talking about 
how is that luxury market still thriving? Do you have an opinion on that? I think it's because it's very aspirational. And I think the approach that people are taking in the luxury market, um, it just kind of, I don't explain it. It's like not your everyday world almost. (laughs) And somebody like Brooke makes it very real to people, right? And, you know, the one thing that we're seeing is at least on the luxury market, they just have a different way of reaching out to their customer now. And they have to make themselves somewhat real, even though it's still aspirational. So I think they have learned um, this like fine nuance that I almost have to become much more, I want to say empathetic and humanized to come down to where the consumer is. But at the same time, the consumer is dying to come up to them. And I think that's why the luxury market is doing so well. And I think the luxury market in particular is going to be the very high, high end is the one. I would, that I would have to, be- to say, though, in the luxury market, Devin, and just to add on to that, the people who are able to afford luxury brand items may not have been affected as much by COVID because they would have a different kind of disposable income. And perhaps Mm -hmm. their industries or businesses have not been touched in terms of, you know, uh, having a paycheck or living, you know, month to month as other people are now. So I think it's, there's a big divide and you can see that divide happening more now within the brands and within the marketplace in terms of how they're positioning themselves. That's a great point. I was trying to be, yeah, I was trying to be politically correct here. Yeah, no, I get it. Thanks, Debbie. Well, that's a great point because, uh, yeah, everyone, it doesn't matter what walk of life you're in, people have a desire for some kind of luxury in their life usually. So depending on your disposable income, the luxury brands certainly benefit from appealing to the masses. So I guess really, what are we going to see? Just an opinion would be great. Brooke, what's your opinion on that going forward? Because, for example, Gucci has become extremely popular over the most recent years, and it it appeals to people at all walks of life. How are they going to maintain that, especially now when everyone is watching every single penny that they're spending? Well, places like The Real Real, where you can buy used Gucci, or um, where, you know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, because you don't want, maybe you don't want to spend $800 $800 on a t-shirt, <laughs> you know? right, absolutely. But, uh, but you really want that t-shirt so bad. And, and right now streetwear, I mean, all the designers right now are focusing more on streetwear because streetwear, you know, that's what we're wearing more so than ever. And Gucci was doing that before all this happened. Right. So I feel like Gu- that's why Gucci really elevated right now more so than ever because streetwear was the thing. I mean, even it was like, uh, work, um, uh, I forget, you know, three call them, Sweat track pants, no sweat pants here, whatever you know. The sweat, uh, I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I forget. Sometimes I know, is it Australian? Is it American? Which way is it? Yeah, so like sweatpants and high heels and 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 a t shirt and a blazer, like that's like the look, that's like the Gucci thing. I mean, so so Gucci really like kind of like, I mean, obviously, they couldn't maybe they did have a fortune teller in there, but uh, you know, they predicted the times really well because that is one brand that's really elevated, but. You know, a lot of them were doing, even Chanel was doing like a workout pant with a heel and like, you know, around the cuff was like the, the stretchy workout wear uh, around a really fancy jacket. So that streetwear has really, that's that's what people are really into right now. And, and people, and the brands are still working because you can buy them, you know, with tags still on or secondhand on, on 
vintage places like the Real Real or Gilt or, or you know, these other places. There was something I was going to touch on about something that Deb said about being authentic and a little bit being right. more personable. So I think I, I do want to say the way that I would have marketed people last year versus this year, you know, last year we could be a little bit more untouchable and, and, um, and superficial and, and a little more over the top with our marketing and branding in the luxury world. And I think that now more so than ever, even if you are small business or even if you are luxury, you have to be more personable. And that is something that's important, authentic, uh, personable, very real. So you can't get away with a little bit of that BS marketing or, or branding that we used to do, you know, that little bit of more fluff that we had, that we were doing before. Really have to be real and authentic. And that's why I see the biggest change now versus say 2019 versus 2020 is that our audience is clever, they're smarter, they're, they're educated, they're educated, much more educated in social media. Uh, obviously, everyone knows what Zoom is now. Last year, a lot of people didn't even know what that was. Right, um, absolutely. So we have an educated market. We have, you know, so don't, you definitely, that no fluff anymore. We can't get away with it. Those mass emails that we used to send out, like being a little bit fake here and there because it was fun, but no more, no more of that. We definitely have to be real, personal, connected, and authentic. Thank you, uh, Brooke. Um, we have two wonderful questions here from Carl. I'm Carl Shubbs. I'm going to see if we can bring Carl in live because I'd like him to ask them live. Carl, are you, oh, hang on, I pressed the wrong button. My use of technology is still getting better day by day. Carl, are you there? Are you, uh, would you like to uh, ask your question live? Can we see if we can get you? Let's see if I, oh, there we go, you're unmuted. Good morning, Carl. Hi. Your first question you asked us was, you asked it to Brooke, uh, important for people in visual arts, uh, as, especially as emerging artists, to be on both Instagram and Twitter. Do you want to elaborate a little bit more on that, Carl? Well, I've been on Instagram, and I only use social media for my artwork. I don't use it for anything else. And I found Instagram to be very helpful. I'm on both Facebook and Instagram. And from what I've heard about Twitter, it's all uh, celebrities and politicians yakking at each other and who cares. So as an artist, is it important that I also be on, on Twitter, especially given the nature of Twitter, which I only know about kind of secondhand? And that's really my question. Um, that's a great is question. It, is it important to be on Twitter as well? Brooke, you, know, you want to yeah. take that? Yeah, sure. Carl, hi, Brooke. <laughs> hi. What's your URL? What's your handle on Instagram? Let me take a quick look, and I'll and I can give you a real quick estimate based on what I see. It's Carl Shubbs Photography. Okay, got it. Yes, hi. Okay. And it's the same. It's the same thing on Facebook. Okay. So what I would say, Carl. I mean, look. Like I talked before, the best thing is really to be on many platforms for the SEO when people search your name. Now, that being said, you don't have to be on Twitter. I understand what you're saying about Twitter. And yes, I agree with you that it, it, you know, it is a specific kind of market there, but you want to be, so if it isn't Twitter, if you're only on Instagram, but I know you're on Facebook too, because I think we're connected on Facebook, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's only two avenues. I would suggest at least one more. I wouldn't suggest somewhere, this is what I would say. I would, yes, I would, you need to be somewhere else as well on social, whether it's a YouTube, you know, why don't you start putting some behind the scenes videos on YouTube? 
something that you're going to interact with. My suggestion is if you're going to go on Twitter and you're not going to like it, you're not going to use it, that's not going to benefit you anyway. So I'm looking at your Instagram and I'm seeing a really lot of fun stuff and very creative. One thing I am missing is you. So I would, people do love to see a little bit more, more behind the scenes. So in terms of what you have on Instagram, I would say definitely get whoever's assisting you on the day to do some little, even with your iPhone, some behind the scenes pictures, some behind the scenes videos, post those on your social media, post those on a YouTube account. So I would suggest to be more than two places in social media online. I actually have a couple of recommendations in regards to that as well, you know, just to add to it, especially, you know, Carl and also Bill Posner on the visual art side and both of you as photographers. I think it's important for you to have both a personal Instagram and a, and a business Instagram page because your personal Instagram can reflect more of your day-to-day other things outside of just your photography And so I think that that's one thing that's important. And the same with Facebook. You can have a personal Facebook page and you can have a business Facebook page where you're posting things that are specific to your, you know, fine art photography. But then on the personal side, you have more of the friends, family, and sort of the ins and outs. But another thing too, in terms of other areas where you could be uh, presenting your work is on Pinterest. Pinterest is a great opportunity in terms of presenting your photography and a lot of interior designers, architects, people who are looking actually for inspiration that they may search and find your photography through that based on keywords or different boards that you may put together. So you could create even every month, you know, sort of a collection of works and present it through that, because that's something that I think is very underutilized on the fine art side and as a visual artist, that people don't understand the value of Pinterest as well as I'm, a social media I'm just platform. gonna chime in one, for one second here. I'm, I'm going to have to disagree about having two Instagram accounts. I'm almost at 160,000 and I'll tell you why, Carl. I don't agree that you should have two Instagram accounts. You should only have one and here's why. If you have two Instagram accounts, what's going to happen is people are going to tag this, they're going to tag that, and then it's going to get confusing who you are. You're also going to, at this point, I mean, I've just done like a little quick analysis of your account and you only have 700 followers. If you open another account right now and you have like 10 or 20 followers and people start tagging that and tagging that, guess what's going to happen? People are going to go different places. Now, what you really want to do is, and to be successful in social media is to grow one account and make it really, really strong and really amazing. So if you have too many social media platforms, um, you're going to dilute that energy and you're going to dilute that following and those people. So um, my take on this is, and always when I have clients that have multiple accounts is get rid of all of them and have one. Because you can have, Carl, you can have your work, you can have behind the scenes, you can have who you are. Social media is not a place for people to hire you or buy your work. Social media is for you to elevate you and your brand. They can click on your website through your social media and find out and see your work that way. People, A couple of people I have um, write me and say, well, I never see your work. Well, go to my website and you can see my work because my social media is who I am, what I do, um, everything about me and, and the brand and a lot, of, a lot of things. And it's been successful. So I think, Carl, I would look at your social media and say, wow, it looks really good, but I don't know who you are. So I don't know why I'd want to hire you yet. 
but go ahead and put more of you and more your more of your personality and behind the scenes because you're a really sweet guy and I, I know we've interacted on Facebook a couple of times and I know that you have asked me questions in the past so that that would be my take on it so I do yeah, have yes. an opinion about that. I have another could I, thought. Yeah. Could I add another uh, another um, factor here, which is uh, in my day job, I'm a psychologist. I'm a psychoanalytic psychologist. And if you're seeing me, you're seeing this book back here, which is the one that I just wrote and had published. And as a psychoanalytic psych psychologist, I keep my private life very private. So it's not something that I want to put out to the whole world. You know, if people discover it, and most people don't even know about my life as a photographer, if they discover it, that's fine. But it's not something that I want to actively put out there because it interferes with that work. Any thoughts about that, Brooke? Well, well, here's the thing. My social, just so you know, that is a brand. So your social media, your Instagram is a brand. You decide based on the brand and what the messaging is, is what you post and what you put out. Every single post that we do for our clients and including my own Instagram at Brooke Mason photo is selected for a specific reason. Nothing is there just because I just like haphazardly put it up. So you don't need to put that information. I would say this is for your photography, but I would definitely put a bit of you. It doesn't have to be, if you don't want the two worlds to cross, they never have to cross, you know? So, but I still would put, uh, I mean, I think it's interesting, and, but if that's a personal preference for you, you don't have to cross them at all. But I would just put more of you, meaning like behind the scenes, you talking to models, you setting up, maybe you, you know, with your lookbook before you shoot, putting the call sheet together. I mean, these things that people are going to, going to want to know. I have a talk with Semis next week. We're doing, uh, uh, it should be interesting. So Carl, you might want to check that out. I'll post it on my, on my Facebook, on my Instagram. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here, Brooke. That's a great answer. Carl, thanks very much for your question. I want to make sure we get everyone in here as well. But I'm, I'm going to jump in with a quick question because it relates to what, exactly what we we're just talking about. I'm going to bring you in on this as well, Debbie. I'm a big proponent of LinkedIn. I have a business. Yeah, I love LinkedIn. One. It's been great to me. I've got about 15,000 connections on there. So we're a small business doing that. We thrive off interactions and, and networking. And LinkedIn is a great business platform. Mm -hmm. Debbie, what's your opinion on LinkedIn and how can we utilize it even more at the moment? Well, that, I'm glad you asked that question. What I'm just thinking about LinkedIn, it's really important, especially if you're doing a business to business kind of approach. So one of the questions I was getting ready to ask him was, is he focused on the consumer or is he focused on like somebody like a Wendy? Cause Wendy may go there to find somebody like him. So they're just different reasons. But to answer the question about LinkedIn, there's wonderful ways now for us to go out and find additional people. So you could do it two ways. So it's not just us posting, let's say, but people now are coming back to us because we can do very concerted campaigns directly for the kind of customer we're looking for on LinkedIn. Wonderful. Brooke, do you utilize uh, LinkedIn at all or in your business daily? And Wendy, how about yourself? Yeah, LinkedIn is wonderful. I have over 8,000 connections on LinkedIn and it's amazing. I mean, I, I think just 
I have gotten work through there. I've gotten, I post the videos that we do. I post workshops like this that are happening and, and whatever. It's just a really, it's a good place. Wonderful. And yeah, when do you, does that come into play with the art world? Absolutely. We use Wonderful. LinkedIn quite a bit. I think that, you know, with any social media, whether it's Instagram or LinkedIn, that, you know, the importance is, is that if you connect with somebody or somebody comments, most people don't follow up. Most people don't respond to when somebody sends you a message per se, and you never know what you may get out of having a dialogue or conversation or even on Instagram, you know, when somebody likes something that you posted, you have an opportunity to go back and follow up with that individual in some capacity and target to them. And a lot of people aren't utilizing it as that type of marketing opportunity or tool. But for LinkedIn, we use it not only for business connections in terms of outreach to artists or artists finding us. It's a great opportunity for us to network with people in the real estate industry, interior design, architecture, hospitality, people who are creating products, who are fabricators. So it's an excellent resource if you utilize it properly and really take advantage of it. No, that's great. Um, I'm glad you said that. Okay, we have a few minutes left and I want to get these two questions asked and I've got a question for everyone. I can't believe it's time has flown by. I hope you guys have been enjoying it and everyone listening, welcome and enjoy. And uh, if you haven't had a chance to, obviously this is going to go on our website afterwards. So people listening in after the fact, welcome as well. It's always my pleasure with everyone on here. Okay, so we had a question from Debbie Schreider here. Uh, many of my clients request to friend me on my personal Facebook page, but I also have a Facebook business page. Now, we may have covered this. How do I m- migrate them to the – what's the natural segue? I guess this is what I'm getting from it. Is it important that I redirect them there? Uh, my clients are primarily real estate agents who are very social. Who would like to take that one? I, I personally don't think there's any reason why you wouldn't accept them on your personal. I still think of my personal as anything online – at this, in this day and age, you have to think of as your brand and your brand identity. There's nothing really personal online anymore. So I think everyone needs to really be aware of that. There's nothing that you should, if you don't want the world to see it, don't post it. So accept those people as your friend on your personal and then redirect them afterwards. But you should accept them because that makes them feel more connected. And I think we talked about that before about being more connected to people and being more authentic, really feeling like that person is is your friend. I mean, there's lots of people I work with and, and they consider me their friend, you know? I mean, whether I think so or not, you know it doesn't matter but (laughs) i'm just kidding but um but the point is you want them to feel like your friend yeah so i would do that i would befriend them and then you know go ahead and delete things that you don't want normal people just if you don't want them to see i get it yeah that's that's the power of once it's out there it's out there forever we just leave it there shall we okay i think we answered this question as well from natasha shoro but i'm just i thank you for saying very interesting conversation it's always great to have some nice feedback yeah, again, you have two accounts on Facebook, both personal and business. Instagram is working better. Thank you. Okay, great. Well, thank you very much for that nice compliment. We had uh, Debbie said thank you as well. Uh, I am scrolling down here. My keyboard is not working. Bill Posner, he's asked a couple of questions, so I'm just going to follow up for this one. Bill, um, I like what you're saying, and ladies, I'm going to ask what your thoughts are. Um, you can't seem to get to the next level. So whatever level he's at right now, um, he's got a strong technical background but marketing is his challenge. So we don't really know what he's doing, but what are your just kind of like, what's the next steps? Hire someone like yourself, Brooke. 
really when it comes to marketing what Without knowing the person's business, I think it would be hard to give really good advice. I mean, we'd be able to give better advice. Maybe that person could just... Let's see if we can bring him in real quick. Just the business. bring him in for one minute. What do you think? Um, let me see if we can get Bill in. I can, Bill? I can tell okay. you from my perspective, in order for him to get to the next step, we have to understand where he is today and where he wants to go tomorrow. I'd like to know specifically what's his special sauce why now and on a go forward basis so and, now and i think i can answer part of it uh bill is an incredible fine art photographer and he does a lot of absolutely gorgeous uh landscape photography and it's very nature oriented he does do some contemporary and abstract as well also doing, you know, cityscapes and other, you know, subject matters. But, you know, in terms of his work, he is a fine art photographer and he has been building up his brand and developing sort of the imagery, the following. In the last several years that I've known Bill's work, I've seen a complete evolution and even his utilization of technology. But I think it's a matter of looking at as a artist and or photographer, you know, that's a fine art photographer, not a commercial photographer, at looking at what is your exact demographic and target market, where can the work be actually placed, and then positioning the promotion and marketing directly towards that. So for someone like Bill, I mean, he would be targeting fine art photography collectors, maybe people who like landscape, nature, but then also on the other side, it could be something for the hospitality industry and or commercial and corporate because the, the work and the subject matter, it's very even across the board that lots of people would like the work, but it also goes to price point of the work and how you're pricing your work and where you're exhibiting and or showing that work. So I think in terms of, you know, going back to understanding the market is to honing in maybe on what are the top two or three and focus solely on those and then diversify out from there first. And I'm going to add this, that somebody like me would get somebody like him. I'd listen. And the first thing I would do is contact you, Wendy, to help him as a consultant, what to do and place him properly. Wonderful. Yeah, I, I know Peter Lick quite well. I think in this case, everything Wendy said is spot on. It, that is perfect. The only thing I would add to it is he could probably really go direct to consumer and do a lot of networking. So like all of us understand, I mean, networking is king and, and he, he could really, and, and but maybe maybe there's, a, if he's not getting to the next level, so there, there's an issue, there's something stopping and it could be price point. I mean, it could be as simple as that. But yeah, the next thing I would, only thing I would add is, you know, networking. I think that as a visual artist who's promoting their work online, and I mean, even as we can see now, that the market is saturated. So you have to do something that's going to visually set yourself apart. Because if people are looking for fine art photography and they're looking for landscape, you're gonna have thousands of images coming up, let's say in a search. So how do you get your name and or your brand out there in a different arena to be able to present your work because of the saturation? of information that's online. So I think that that's really an important part of the uh, marketing and positioning. Oh, wonderful, thank you. I, I, and just to kind of talk about the networking, I love networking. That's a big part of my life and we haven't been able to do it for months and it sucks. 
because it's great. It's been so good for business, for myself, and for all of the people involved with the BABC. We put on some wonderful networking events, and I hope one day soon we can all get back together. I look forward to that day. I really do, because networking is, especially in LA, it is so critical to business, I believe, and in your personal life. We're at time, but I have one question for everyone. And now, first of all, I just want to thank everybody. This has been absolutely wonderful. I hope you got a lot out of it. I know everyone listening, I'm sure you have. I certainly have. So thank you. I want to thank you for as a president of the BABC and from the BABC people. We love you guys. Thank you very much. But my question I've got is if you can leave us with a, a sentence or two on just kind of like the power of positivity is so important more than ever right now. And we talked, touched on that before we started. But for everyone listening and the people who are going to hear this afterwards, if you had to give them a, just a, a soundbite or a message that you would like them to take away, what would it be? Debbie, take it away. Forgive yourself if you're having a bad day. And know that there's another day. And if you need support, go to your experts or go back to your friends. And it's very important to stay connected. Thank you. Wendy? Um, I would have to say going back to being positive and optimistic. And for this period of time, it's a time of reimagining. It's a time of reinvention and creativity. And so you can create something new and be a change maker. And I think that that's for myself and for my company right now, we want to be change makers. We want to do something that's not being done within our industry to be able to set ourselves apart. But also you have to be diversified and you can't get pigeonholed in thinking that your company and or your business or even your personal self will go back to what it was because it's not going to. So you have to just embrace the change. Wonderful. Thank you. Take us home, Brooke. Well, one thing I said before that I really would like everyone to start doing is writing lists. And I have lists coming out all over the place, <laughs> all my desks. So I want you to, I mean, no, I'm no, not joking. Lots of, oh, doodles too. But what I want you to do is write lists. So I, I'm all about, list. yes, I'm all about, yes, we can be positive, we can do all this, but guess what? Production is the basis of morale. So I would like everyone to start writing this and putting some, some steps, like every day at least, I would like you to put three hours aside towards that brand, towards the business, towards what you really want to do and write some lists and start crossing those off. I mean, I like writing lists on paper because if I put it in my phone, it doesn't really get done. So I would say put that positive vibes into action and write some lists and get that stuff done so you can get working. That's wonderful. Thank you. I want to once again thank everybody, Debbie, Brooke and Wendy for joining us this morning. That's been an absolutely excellent amount of information for everyone to absorb. I'm going to go away and think about it. I'm going to reach out to you all afterwards as well. I just want to thank you again and everybody listening. You've been listening to another live event with the British American Business Council here in Los Angeles. Have a wonderful Friday and we'll see you all soon. Thank you. Thanks for joining. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you.